I will add my welcome to you all. It's good to be here. Good to be amongst God's people on this first day of the week. It's been an encouraging service so far. Good Bible study this morning and, and a good, reverent, and heartfelt worship service uh, to this point. appreciate the men and their efforts to do things orderly and reverently as we serve God on this first day of the week. Not that long ago, I brought a lesson about names. We looked at several examples of people's names, and in that particular lesson, we looked at the the changing of their names. We also noticed that God designated a name for all those who would be disciples of Christ. And that name, of course, is Christian. This morning, I'd like for us to consider the name of something else. And that is the name of the Lord's church. If we just look at a definition for, for, for the word name, Webster defines it this way, a word or phrase by which a person, thing, or class of things is known, called, or spoken to or of. Sometimes it's hard to define those simple words like that. Everybody knows what a name is, right? Well, that's what it means. A word or phrase by which a person, thing, or class is known, is called, or is spoken to or of. As we start off, let's uh, make one thing very clear. It is important to understand that God has determined what he would name the church. So when we are looking for the appropriate name of the church, we can find it in God's word. He hasn't left that to chance. He has not left that for man's interpretation. We must also understand that while there are different names for and references to the church, there is only one church spoken of in the Bible. Any attempt by man to to name a church something that is not found in Scripture transgresses the will of God. He is the one who has set forth the name of the church. And if we take it upon ourselves to come up with some other name, we are going against the will of God. We have warnings about doing such. Galatians 1 and verse 9, it says, As we have said before, so I now say again, if any man is preaching to you a, con- a gospel contrary to what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is warning these Galatians who have so quickly turned to another gospel, which Paul says is really not another gospel. There's only one gospel. But he says that if anyone's bringing you something contrary to our teaching, let him be accursed. A name devised by humans is not fitting for the Lord's church. And such behavior will be punished. We mentioned this this morning in our Bible class in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. It says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. So sometimes we might think of, ah, what's so important about a name? 
understand that God has set forth what the name is. And transgressing God's will has serious consequences. So let's begin by considering some of the references to the Lord's church. So if we look, and this list is not exhaustive, but some things that will get us the idea here. In referring to the Lord's church, often it's referred to uh, by region or by city. If you look there in Acts 8 and verse 1, it says the church in Jerusalem. In Acts 9 and verse 31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. Those are regions that are being mentioned there. The church in each one of those, the church is in each one of those regions. Again, Acts 11, 22, the church at Jerusalem. Acts 13 and verse 1, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there. There we have a reference to a city, the city of Antioch, and the church that was there in that city. Romans 1 and verse 7, to all are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. There, the, the reference there is to the body, the congregation that was in Rome. And then later in Romans chapter 16, in verse 1, as Paul is commending Phoebe to them, he says, the church which is in Chancheria. There again, another city mentioned in the church that was there. Also, references to the church can be descriptive. In 1 Timothy 3, and verse 15, it says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. There's one description of it, the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. In that one verse, we have three references to the church, three different ways the church is described. Household of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. All those descriptions are talking about the church. In Hebrews 12, verse 23, the Hebrew writer says, The church of the, first, of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. There's another description of the body. The church of the firstborn. Reference to us being the first fruits after Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. That's a description of the church. Also, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. All speaking of the body of our Lord and giving um, um, directions to the elders. Peter says there in 1 Peter 5 and verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God among you. The flock of God. All these are descriptive of God's people. Descriptive of the church. Also in scripture, when it comes to uh, describing or it comes to references to the church, we must also understand and appreciate the references about Jesus Christ and his relationship to the church. And it all starts in Matthew 16 and verse 18, where Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church. So in understanding about the church, understand to whom it belongs. It belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 20 and verse 28, it says, To shepherd the church of God, 
which he purchased with his own blood. So not only is it Jesus proclaiming that it is his church, he also purchased it with his own blood. Gives you an idea of to whom the church belongs. In Romans 16, verse 16, all the churches of Christ greet you. There's a reference there directly to the church of Christ. By the way, that's the only one. It's mentioned that way in Scripture, the Church of Christ. But it's still descriptive, and it's still important. And it still speaks of the Lord's Church. And it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ and his relationship to the Church. Further evidence in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. He says down there, you are God's household. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Here's another way of describing Jesus in the church and his relationship to the church. Here's being described as a building, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing up into a holy temple of the Lord. Another descriptive way to describe the church. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Another way to describe what the church is. And all this points to Jesus and his relationship to the church. Ephesians 5 and verse 27, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Also in verse 32 of Ephesians 5, I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Colossians, several here, in verse 13 of chapter 1, the kingdom of his beloved son. Verse 18, he is also head of the body, the church. And in verse 24, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. So in understanding the relationship of Jesus Christ and the church, these verses help us to understand that. Again, all going back to Jesus himself proclaiming, I will build my church. And then purchasing it with his own blood. So what's in a name? As I mentioned in the outset, those in the Lord's church have been given a name. In Isaiah 2, the last part there of, of verse 2, it says, I, And you will be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. And that, of course, as we mentioned, is the name Christian. So when we look to name ourselves, or when we look to understand how God has named us, <coughs> Isaiah prophesied it. He said, you'll be called by a new name. And we know, of course, that that name is Christian. No other name is necessary, is specified, or appropriate. No other name. God has designated the name by which he will call his children. And though that is those disciples of Christ who were first called Christians in Antioch. No other name is necessary, specified, or appropriate. We read there from Isaiah 56. Jack did in our scripture reading this morning. At the end of that passage there, at the end of verse 5, and it says, 
and a name better than the sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name, which shall not be cut off. So it's a better name, and it's a name forever. God has designated it to be this way. So we that wear the name Christian understand what that carries with it. It carries with it all of this. Isaiah prophesying it, and it coming true through the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And now we are able, those of us who have put on Christ, been buried in baptism, we now can wear that name that God has designated as Christian. So that's the members of the body. But what about the body itself? We talk about name of the church, and we had that list there, the different ways in which the church is described and named. Let's talk about the name of the Church of Christ. The Church of Christ is completely appropriate to describe the church. And why is that? Why is the name Church of Christ uh, completely appropriate to describe the church? Well, it's because of these reasons. First of all, it's scriptural. As we mentioned there in, in Romans 16 and verse 16, we see the name Church of Christ. So when we look to call out a name for a body of Christians, Church of Christ is in Scripture. It's there for us to see and understand and to know. Also, the Church of Christ, it recognizes its founding. As we mentioned there in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. The church that we talk about was founded by Jesus Christ himself. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. So it recognizes that founding when we refer to the church as the church of Christ. That is completely appropriate. And this name recognizes its ruling authority. In Ephesians 5, verse 23 there, it says, Christ is head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. It recognizes who Jesus Christ is when we call it the church of Christ. Ephesians 5 there, 23, Christ is the head of that church. He is the head of the body, which means he is the ruling authority, being his church. One thing about this name is we must not shy away from it. There are those in the world and amongst our brethren that shy away from this name, and reasons are there and given and are worthy of at least giving due process to. The, the, the term Church of Christ has been distorted. There are churches that wear the name Church of Christ that are not practicing what the Lord has set up for them to be practicing. It's understandable. But the name Church of Christ is in Scripture. And for all these reasons that we've been talking about, it's perfectly appropriate to describe the Lord's body. So we mustn't shy away from it. We can stand united in it, understanding that when we travel, when we go out of town, we will be there for a Wednesday or a Sunday, and we want to gather together with the saints, where do we start looking? 
We start with the churches of Christ, don't we? If we want to worship with brethren that hold the same values that we do, that's where we start. We stand united in the church. So let's ask this question then. What about this congregation? We have a name here. We wear the name Cortez Church of Christ. Is that an appropriate name? We have it out there on the sign. <laughs> we have it on the bulletin. We have it on things that go out from this congregation, this body. But is the name Church of Christ, the Cortez Church of Christ, is that an appropriate name to call this body? I'd say for this one. Amen. Let's talk about why. It is indeed an appropriate name for this body. And why is that? It speaks of our geographic location, doesn't it? This is we mentioned there, the church is in Jerusalem. That's a city. Judea is a region, Antioch, Centuria, cities, Rome. It's perfectly appropriate to call this congregation here the Cortez Church of Christ, because that's geographically where we are. This is where we meet. It's perfectly appropriate. We see these names in Scripture, Ephesus, all the churches, seven churches in Asia that are mentioned there in the first part of Revelation. Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Laodicea. The name here uses the word church in its description of this body. And the word church is a biblical designation. You'll recall that the word ekklesia is the Greek word here that's rendered as church. And the word ecclesia means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public place or an assembly. In the Christian sense there, it's an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. That's simply what the word ecclesia means, which is rendered church. It's a calling out of people to come together to worship God. So when we have Cortez Church of Christ... That word church there has meaning, and it's appropriate. The last part of our name says who it is that we serve. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It recognizes him as the head of the body. It recognizes the Lord Jesus Christ and that it is his church purchased with his blood and that he rules over it. So when we call ourselves Cortez Church of Christ, we're wearing a biblical name because it recognizes our geographic location. It recognizes that we are an assembly of people called out of their homes to come together and to assemble here and to assemble under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to come together and to worship him. That passage there in Ephesians 2, again, verses 19 through 22, talks all about Jesus Christ and his relationship to the church. 
Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing as a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also being built together, a dwelling for God in the Spirit. Some questions come out of that. Are we growing? It's not just a building that you put, set up and walk away from. One, it's not a physical building at all. It's a spiritual building. Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. Are we growing? Is this building getting bigger? Spiritually? In number? Something to think about. So we come down to this last question then. Are you among those who are called out to worship God? He mentioned there the ecclesia. Church means those who are called out to worship God. Are you a Christian? Have you put on that name? All the names that we have looked at come right out of Scripture. And if you want to be of that name, if you want to wear that name, then you have to do what God says. That means becoming a child of God. It means hearing, believing what it is that you have heard. It means repenting of your former life, understanding that you need to turn away from those things in your life and turn to God. In Acts 17, verse 30, it says, God is declaring to all men everywhere to repent. All men everywhere. That, goes, that message rings out to the whole world. No one is excluded from it. And having repented, you need to make that good confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Make that confession before men, recognizing that He is Lord. Everyone, therefore, who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 10, verse 32. If we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we confess him before men, then Jesus Christ will confess us before the Father. And after that, we are then ready to be baptized. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There is no other way to come into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ and through baptism. We come into contact with that blood that washes away our sins. We come up out of those baptismal waters a new creature to walk in newness of life. And then our duty is to continue to be faithful, is to continue to walk that narrow path. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life from Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful unto death. That's our charge as his children. To remain faithful, to remain worthy of that name that we've been called is to live a life to God, recognizing who Jesus Christ is, the Savior of the body. If you're not a child of God, you can become one. If you're a child of God and you're not living up to that name of Christian, make the necessary changes in your life so that you can. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.